In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey everybody, thanks again for listening and thanks again to our sponsor who makes it all possible, Anderson Hauser, a global leader in process automation and measurement instrumentation. Anderson Hauser, the people for process automation. And listen up guys out there, we usually do this at the end of the show, but I thought I would do it at the beginning of the show as, as well here today. We always put in the show notes how you can contact the sponsor at it's cx.endress, E-N-D-R-E-S-S dot com forward slash H-S-E dash podcast. If you're where you can write that down right now or, or you're just super, super smart and can remember that, while you're listening to this podcast, you might just click on there right now. They've got a super giveaway program on there. It's, it's actually a jacket, and I know it's summertime right now. That's probably when you're listening to this but it's a it's a really nice jacket and you need to register and see if you can't snag one of those on our program today we actually have two guests that we're very pleased to welcome to the podcast and the first one is randy farrell randy is the global enterprise account manager for what's called oil and gas top accounts randy welcome to the show hi russell thank you we really appreciate you having us on today well, it's my pleasure. I should have said you're the Global Enterprise Account Manager for Oil and Gas Top Accounts for Hewlett Packard Enterprises. And I think the first thing people are going to ask is, why is an oil and gas podcast interviewing Hewlett and Packard? We didn't know you guys were into oil and gas top accounts. We absolutely are. We have been serving the oil and gas industry throughout the years but specifically, we're, we've formed a team that's focused around the oil and gas industry. And so we're investing in more focus because we see that our solutions are not only able to help you guys today, but from a strategic perspective on where your industry is going, we feel that it's very important that we get our message out and begin to partner with the rest of the industry outside of our accounts that we are working with today. So we wanted to share those stories. Okay. So when you horrible. say, when you say oil and gas top accounts, what exactly does that mean? So I cover for our global accounts in the super majors, but we have other account managers and teams that are dedicated in covering the breadth of the industry as well. But I'm focused on four of the the top accounts. Well, that must mean you're one of the smart ones there. I just work with a lot of really smart people like Peter Mosier, who's on the show with us today. <laughs> well, and so that's who we're going to that's who we're going to bring on next. So, Peter, you are the IoT and AI strategist. Is that your title? Yes, Russell, that is what they call me. <laughs> so, tell us you know, I've been called a lot of things before too, and they weren't always very nice. So is this is this is this nice? It is, Russell. I'm very fortunate to work with our oil and gas customers in a variety of segments of the business. And two of the key areas that they're focused on is the industrial Internet of Things, 
adding sensors and the like to the technology. They've been doing this for decades, but they now have the label for it. And then how to analyze all this data, both existing and new sources of data. And that's where the AI or artificial intelligence piece comes in. So they're very much hand in glove. And while Randy and her group focuses on the super majors, you work with, I guess you work with, of course you work with Randy, but then you also work with a lot of other folks there at HP who deal with what we might call the little guys, huh? Absolutely. And in fact, the little guys make up a good portion of our business and work with them quite regularly. They probably more than the super majors have been motivated to do a lot more digitization of their business to be more competitive and profitable. So actually, I spent a great deal of time with the smaller companies. So how long have you been with HP, Peter? This year will be 25 years. I'm becoming a bit of an old timer. Well, you know, you said something that was interesting to me because I'm still learning this this IoT thing. And even though I've, I've interviewed people about it and I've gone to seminars about it and all that sort of thing, I'm, I'm, I'm still learning this, this phrase, industrial internet of things. And yet, Kit, you, you said something. You said, actually, we've been doing this a long time. We just started calling it this. The only guess industry has been data-driven for a very, very long time. You know, you've heard of the digital oil field, and a lot of these concepts have been around for quite some time. But there never was really an official name for this. And the, the marketing folks got busy several years back and put a label on it called the Industrial Internet of Things. And now we have Industry 4.0 and a lot of other ways of labeling digital transformation, which all companies have been doing for quite some time. That's interesting. Well, the industry has certainly had a double whammy this year with, I guess, the, we'll call it, we'll call it contest that Saudi and Russia got into and, and what all that created and the crash in oil prices. And then right on top of that, COVID-19. Let's talk about how HP has helped the industry in this area, especially so that it could operate safely. Russell, that is probably the preeminent question now. And there's really two areas that HPE focused on. One is business continuity. How can we help our customers minimize the impact on their business operations so that they can continue to do business and be as profitable as possible? The second is getting people back to work safely. And you may think those two are not necessarily the same, but they're actually intertwined. Oh, absolutely. So how does a technology services company do that? Well, for HPE, as, as you already highlighted, I mean, safety is the pinnacle of the industry, you know, meeting start with the safety moment. So the first thing we wanted to do is how can we get the most people back to work safely with people working home, working from home or remotely? So HPE put together some virtual desktop solutions. This allowed workers of any type, be it an office worker, an engineer, or a patrol user, to be able to use virtual desktop technology to work from home or wherever they might be to be able to do their jobs. So that was kind of the initial thrust to, to get customers out there. And then we offered it as a service. This helps customers not have that capital outlay for the technology, but consume it as a service and use OPEX dollars. So just a monthly X amount of dollars per month, depending on how many seats they have. So this took the financial burden off of them as well. And of course, because of the impact of lower oil prices, let's talk about that for just a minute. 
because I think a lot of times people look at all of this new technology and the first thing that they think about is, well, this is just another added expense. This is just another cost of doing business. But essentially, if it's done right, you actually you actually reduce your bottom line, right? That's true, Russell. I mean, a lot of people don't realize a lot of these chemical plants, refineries run 24-7, 365, and you need people to take care of them or bad things can happen. So it's very important to empower these workers to not only work safely, but to be able to work digitally. And virtual desktop allows us to bring those tools that they need to do their job to them, no matter where they are, and to try to do as much of that outside the plant area, which helps with safety as well as possible. And, and then the third dimension to that is hands-free. You know, where wearable technology. So there's different ways that health and safety can come into play by enabling a virtual desktop capability with uh, field workers. So, so you call this HPE's VDI solution. Is that right? Virtual desktop? Yes, virtual desktop integration. You, you know, we have to have acronyms in the technology industry. Absolutely. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, this, this is the HSE podcast and we're interviewing HPE. And now they're talking about VDI uh, and, and IoT. That's right. Okay, so I guess you have a virtual solution for any kind of user, right? We do, because in oil and gas, you have some extreme power users, like us, for instance, that use Petrel. You know, Petrel consumes a, a lot of bandwidth on a network because it's high, very high resolution images that they're modeling. And so for a lot of customers, they use dedicated uh, workstations. And well, HP has architected a platform that allows you to have multiple users, up to 50 users, on, on a very small form factor configuration, which saves customers money, doesn't take up much space in the data center, but it's very performant. So you can literally have users from around the globe work on the same data, the same model, and follow the sun. And for a lot of our customers, they're finding this is extremely economical. And because it's so performant, it allows them to be more productive with their workers because they can centralize the data and have more people work on the same model. So, of course, every company now, you know, has a network of computers. And so they want to they want to utilize your VDI solutions. How does that work? I mean, they got to buy all new HP laptops or what? No, they actually can use existing equipment that they have. What we found is a lot of the oil and gas companies did not have a lot of remote workers. So, you know, we can working with our sister company, Hewlett Packard Inc., HP Inc., you know, for thin desktops and that kind of thing. But no, the, the virtual desktop solution will work with uh, whatever type of desktop device they may have or laptop. And it could be a tablet in, you know, glass technology. So we can support a lot of different types of devices. And then if you couple this virtual desktop experience, you know, we have lightweight configurations for users that uh, maybe our, our office workers that use Excel and spreadsheets and things like that. We have power 
user application or configurations for engineering that does that might do CAD drawings, designs, and then ultra power users like patrol users. So we have a variety of different configurations depending on the need. Okay, so I'm sure people like Randy who work for these companies, they take to this like like a duck in water. How do you deal with the technologically challenged dummies like myself? How do you teach people to use this stuff? That is a great question. And for a lot of our customers, they don't necessarily have a lot of uh, virtual desktop expertise because that's not something they do a lot of. So that's where our services comes into play. Our services organization can come in and literally stand up an environment. We've done as, as rapidly as four weeks. And with that, if you want us to come in and manage that environment for you, kind of a turnkey, we can do that. If you just need the expertise to come in and help you scale it, which you already have, we can do that as well. And give you that that white glove experience, that treatment, if you will, to help either your own staff be successful or we could come in and do it for you. Okay. So just for example, I guess neither one of you guys are at, at your office right now. Is that correct? That's right. <laughs> And just, we do have people who listen to this internationally. In fact, I always make a joke about if, if you listen to the beautiful British voiceover that introduces this show and talks about how our goal is to make sure everyone comes home safe. And then after you hear that beautiful British voiceover, then my Texas accent comes on. You know, it, it definitely does give the show an international scope. But I've joked that while our theme for OGGN HSE has been make sure everybody comes home safely. Everybody's at home now. And in some respects, uh, we have to talk about how to stay safe at home <laughs> with all of the, the challenges. Of course, my wife and I are working from home. And fortunately, we have a two-story house, so she can be downstairs. I can be upstairs. and We don't get in each other's way. But for people who have like small children and that sort of thing, it, it becomes a tough challenge. So that kind of brings us to the question. I don't know if you guys want to want to tackle this or not. The idea of returning to work, the idea of returning to the office. I don't know. I'd be curious, especially with all the variety of, of people that you guys work with from, you know, again, what I call the little guy up to what we call the super majors. What's the feeling out there about returning to the office or staying in this virtual network from home? Yeah, that's another great question. And right now, the sentiment is, you know, we need to create a way for critical workers to come back to the office and eventually those that are comfortable coming back to the office to be able to return to the office. Now, one of the ways that we're doing that is with thermal imaging, temperature detection, facial recognition, track and trace, you know, things that we never used to talk about. We, we now offer that because this gives companies the ability to do as much as they can to assure that employees coming to work don't have the COVID infection and that if they do happen to have it, that they know who they came in contact with, what areas they might have been in in the office so they can disinfect it. They can notify those that might have been exposed and we offer that also as a consumption-based service, depending on the number of cameras that uh, you want the solution to be at in the kiosk, if you like. And so that's one way of getting customers or workers back into the office safely is by temperature check, track and trace, know who they come in contact with, 
and knowing what areas, if they are infected, that need to be disinfected. The second area is for our hang, hang on. Let me let me stop yeah. you right there before you go to the second area because you mentioned two. Well, actually, one thing brought up a question for me. You mentioned another thing. I always think it's cool. You mentioned thermal imaging, which I you know again. I'm old and, and, you know, remember Flash Gordon TV shows and that sort of thing when what was science fiction then is actually old technology today, you know. (laughs) But tell me how the thermal imaging works. And then the second question I have for you, you start mentioning all this stuff and the old redneck in me begins to come out because do I really want you to know all this stuff about me? What about What about privacy concerns? That is an excellent point. So the reason why we have this combination of thermography, the thermal imaging, where we we scan the tear duct of the eye, which is the most accurate reading of your body's core temperature. The reason why we need the facial recognition is to benchmark an individual's body temperature because not all of us are the same. So it's very important to get an individual's body temperature documented. Now you're worried about privacy, and rightly so. These images can be anonymized in that the geometry of the person's face is not retained, and there's no name associated with that person. So for a lot of our customers, it's a very simple green light, red light determination at the point of entry, so that when a worker's coming back to the office, it scans her face, it has the database, it has her temperature patterns, but they don't have the person's name. And so if the person does have a temperature, the light will go red and the individual knows they're not allowed to come into the office and it's completely anonymous. And now with the facial recognition, because with COVID, you can have the virus, but not have a temperature. So that's why it's important to have the facial recognition so that we know where the person has been in the office, who they've come in contact with. And that's another way, again, it can be anonymized so that you're not tracking a person's whereabouts, but just an image, if you will, that you associate with, you know, if you later determine that that person, you know, has a, you know, the COVID, then you can associate it with a name and then start associating it with names at that time when you have a need to do it. Another thing is mass detection. If you look at literature today, there's a big push to make wearing masks mandatory for the foreseeable future. So we call that occlusion detection. You know, how can you accurately determine if a person is wearing a mask? So these are just some of the use cases that the video analytics solution does to help us return back to work safely and keep our data as private as possible. Okay. And then you started to say second, and that's when I interrupted you. Did I script your train of thought? (laughs) No, not at all. There's actually a second and a third. The second is for our field workers. You know, the upstream in the field or in the plants, we have a platform we call MyRoom VRG. This enables the plant workers to communicate with anybody that has connectivity on the planet. As you can imagine, as people get sick or, you know, you have people that are distributed, they may not always be available. It's not like you can go and talk to somebody on the radio like you could before. And you want to leverage your subject matter experts. Unfortunately. With the other big impact of the industry, the crash of the oil prices, a lot of companies are now seeing reductions in in workforce. So this is going to put greater demands on the remaining workforce. So the the MyRoom platform enables you to enable collaboration between your workers safely and securely. 
so that if you have someone working on a, a particular pump, a motor, whatever they might be working on, and uh, may not have experience with it, as an example, they can reach out to a subject matter expert, collaborate. There's capabilities for annotation and things like that that you don't get in a normal Skype or other type of conferencing medium. So it's been built, my room's specifically been built for field workers. So it's got a lot of feature sets that enable that. The third thing is the office. The way we work in the office is going to change. And we have a smart office offering that allows you to better manage the facility resources like conference rooms, touchdowns, the ability to find people if you enable their phones to be you know, tracked. You know, it's all, again, depending on people's willingness to want to participate. But this allows you to find people quickly if you can't find them and still maintain the social distancing and to work in areas that you know, you're allowed to go to because they've been you know, okayed versus areas that might have become contaminated that you don't want people going in there. So those are the ways that we're helping people get back to work safely. And we offer them as a service so that we you know, can conserve capital and, and just help you know, companies be successful as possible in these current conditions. We'll also put the URL links into these various different systems that Peter's been talking about if you want to go in and and do some more exploration on that. As we shut this thing down, Peter, a lot of times we like to try to end with, you talked about how meetings usually begin with a safety moment. We usually like to end with a safety moment. You got a safety moment for us? I do, Russell. I would just ask that I know there's a lot of opinions about wearing the face masks and social distancing. I would just ask everyone if they could comply with those ordinances in their areas so that we can get past this as quick as we can. Well, getting past it as quick as we can certainly certainly is the goal. I want to thank you, Peter. I want to thank you, Randy. Randy's actually the one responsible for, for all this and bringing all this together. And I want to thank everybody out there again for listening. Please tune in again next week for another episode of Endress and Hauser's Oil and Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Endress and Hauser is your reliable U.S.-based partner for measurement instrumentation, services, and solutions. We are your people for process automation. You can discover more about Anderson Hauser at cx.endress.com forward slash HSE dash podcast. That's the address I gave you at the beginning of the show. And again, you can register for the monthly podcast giveaways. Follow us on LinkedIn at Anderson Hauser Group and Twitter at Endress underscore US and Again, all of that's you can find that in the show notes. We really appreciate it if you'd leave us a nice review on iTunes and tell your friends about us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Alex here with the events on deck. So due to current circumstances, of course, we are not able to have any in-person events. So I have nothing of that nature to update you guys on. But we have been hosting some virtual events. So OGGN is wanting to offer free webinars, live happy hours, etc. during this time. Since these events are not scheduled out as far in advance as in-person events, we would like to keep you guys updated via Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So be sure to keep checking up on that. 
and we'll keep you guys posted on anything we're offering. It has been free. We want to offer you guys value during this time that we're all at home. So please continue checking in and joining us for these virtual events. We are looking forward to seeing you guys whenever we're able to have in-person events and hope you're staying safe and sound. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.